0: Welcome to the Deerfield Family Theater podcast. In our first episode, I have the privilege and honor to speak with George Keating and Scott Ferguson, two of the people responsible for Schoolhouse Rock being adapted to the stage as Schoolhouse Rock Live. George and Scott don't only share the origin story of the adaptation, but they also share how the pandemic has affected them and others they know in the theater world. In case you're tuning in and didn't already know, dft is putting on a performance of schoolhouse rock live this november of 2021 see the show notes for a link to purchase tickets and visit deerfieldfamilytheater.com it was a great conversation and without further delay here's the interview george scott thank you so much for coming on the Deerfield family theater podcast happy to have you here so
1: excited it's a Thanks real pleasure for having to meet us here yeah bye
0: so uh, so I know that um, our production this year, Schoolhouse Rock Live, wouldn't be happening without the both of you. And so I would just like you to give a little bit of a background of yourselves for our audience. George, starting with you, go ahead.
2: Sure. Yeah. My name is George Keating. I am uh, an actor, a director, a longtime member of Actors' Equity Association. I'm also a teaching artist. I've taught my whole career. Most of my career has been in sh- here in Chicago. I am the director of the uh, theater arts division at Northwestern University, the National High School Institute known as the Cherubs Program. I also am an adjunct professor at the theater school. Thank goodness for all of those positions because theater has been empty and I have not been on any stages in a year and a half now. Um, but Scott and I, but my, my work with Schoolhouse Rock Live in the early nineties has influenced my entire career. Um, and Scott and I have had a, an intertwined career. Um, as a result of it. We were, gr- we were great friends before we did the project and we've just grown closer over the years. So it's a pleasure to be here with you.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm sort of a similar situation so rather than being an actor, I'm a director. I started as a theater Uh, actor when I was a kid, but then went to Northwestern. Uh, After graduation, I became uh, artistic director of Chicago Children's Theater, which then led into my work in children's theater and my interest in that, which is partially where the idea for Schoolhouse Rock Live came about because we wanted to do a great show for kids that was also fun for adults. And that's really where that came from. And since then, I'm a a director as well, freelance director. I direct all over the country. I've done a lot of shows in Memphis. Same thing, COVID caused me to not do theater for a very long time. Uh, But in my other life, uh, I'm also a teacher with George at the National High School Institute, chair of program at Northwestern. And I am a real estate broker, so I sell houses. For a living as well. <laughs> Where do you sell houses, Scott? I sell houses in Chicago and in through, Oak Park, which is what? not far from Deerfield.
2: Through what, com- through through what, what company?
1: Uh, that would be Dreamtown Realty. <laughs> that is the name of my brokerage. <laughs> if you need to look me up, scottfergusonhomes.com.
0: scottfergusonhomes.com. You heard it yeah. here, folks. <laughs> and make sure to check the show notes for that link. Uh, and, and, you know, Scott, we got to get in touch uh, after the show because I am an attorney and I do some real estate law Fantastic. and I actually have a closing next week. So Woo-hoo! let's do we'll it. Let's to, to, work together. I'd love yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to. There you go, uh, listeners. Uh, theater bringing people together for the arts and for business. How about it? There you go.
1: Love it.
0: Um, so, got, you know, there's so much we could talk about and and I do really want to get into uh, the, the, the history of schoolhouse rock live and especially some of like the, the rights and the legal aspects of it. Um, I'm a little biased because I'm a lawyer. So I want to like know about like what that was like. Um, but, uh, it's hard to, to have, um, some people like you on this podcast that are really into theater and, and are doing it and are directors and teaching and, and, and all that, and, and really get your perspective on, um, on the pandemic and on, uh, on theater and what it's done and, you know, how, how we're going to get out of this. And obviously one of the ways is going to, uh, the Deerfield theater, Deerfield family theater show, uh, schoolhouse rock live this November. Um, but other than just getting out there and supporting the arts, you know, like, like what was it like and in the midst of it and, and what were some of the stories that you heard and, and sh- share that with our listeners, because I, you know, we're, we're all people who support the arts and, and, um, and I think it'd be, I think it'd be great to hear, you know hear that perspective. So, uh, since we went with George first, um, for the intros, Scott, you know, like what, what was it like when that pandemic happened and shut everything down?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it was nuts. I was actually, um, slated to direct a show in Memphis. I was going to do something rotten, which is a great, hilarious musical. And I was going to do that down in Memphis. Um, La- I guess now it's been two years, not last year. So I was all excited to go direct a show and then suddenly, boom, everything's done. It happened to a lot of people. I, I have so many friends. I have friends that were opening their first show on Broadway and literally, closed before they even opened so it was heart-wrenching and heartbreaking and a lot of people didn't realize um, how it affected the livelihoods of so many people like George was saying he's lucky that he had gigs like teaching gigs that he could even teach virtually and that kind of stuff and I had real estate but so many people I know you know that are in the arts had nothing their jobs were just gone and a lot of them were waiters those jobs were gone as well. So it was really tough for people in the arts. It was, I think they were hit specifically hard in the entertainment industry.
2: Yeah, I was literally, uh, literally sent home from the theater on March 12th of 2020. Um, I had been out at the Paramount Theater in Aurora for two shows back to back and we had opened, opened a brand new musical um that had been running for about three weeks and we were there all day in rehearsal we were you know if you in uh equity theater you rehearse the you rehearse the show usually during the actual run of the show I don't know if people realize that but um we were in an all day rehearsal and I was getting these texts from people in New York saying that they weren't doing the show that night and we were all looking around thinking what is going on and then we got called to the stage at at half hour uh, and we all knew why I think and they said we're gonna do the show one more time and pack your stuff and go home and we and then we don't know (laughs) what's gonna happen after that so um, that was quite a that was a very surreal evening Um, and um, there was no way to be able to respond to it because you had no idea what was what was gonna happen next. Um, I am grateful for my for my teaching jobs, but that, man, let me tell you something, teaching virtually is one of the hardest things I have ever done. Um, it is uh, that's very challenging. Um, I think a lot about uh, I teach college age and high school. Um, but um, I think a lot about the children, actually, the young children throughout this pandemic. and I'm so glad you're doing Schoolhouse Rock Live. I mean, Scott mentioned, that, um, you know, his love of children's theater and that's what caused him, you know, gave him, you know, credit where credit's due. It was Scott's idea. I mean, it was Scott's idea to take these from cartoons and make it into a stage show. Um, When we first met, Scott said to me, we started bonding over singing Schoolhouse Rock Live, uh, over Schoolhouse Rock songs. And then Scott immediately said, I want to make that a show. Um, and it wasn't, but a couple of years later, um, we met as a result of our, Scott went to Northwestern, I went to the theater school at DePaul, and we each had mentors, uh, Nan Zabriskie and Reeves Collins, who had a children's theater company in um, Winnetka, North Shore Country Day School, yeah. Wilmette, yeah. Yeah. Wilmette, not gonna. all the W's. I can't keep the W straight, but um, it, at the North Shore Country Day School, and they roped us both in to um, immediately after graduating, so that's how we met. So this lifelong love of children's theater and the importance of children's theater, the importance of bringing people to, you know, people together in a room to have the same experience in real time, has always been so important to us. Uh, and without that, I do, I am worried and I, I teach now and, and I see that the pandemic has affected the um, development of children and theater and being having access to theater and live performances is a huge part of that development, I think, in terms of social um, skills as well as um, just expression and creativity.
1: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't yeah. agree more.
0: Yeah, and I had, a, I had my first kid during the pandemic. She's nine months old now. Um congratulations that's I, awesome. I yeah I know and and you know like she's 9 months old right like uh like 9 10 months old the pandemic shutdown right she's like the age of the pan, like for, from like you know when she was uh conceived to being born that's like the length of the pandemic right she's like that's like 18 months so uh, no. a, truly a measure of the pandemic and um and it's you know she, we were in a one, little one bedroom apartment in Chicago before I moved to Deerfield, you know, both working from home, you know, through the pregnancy with a little crying baby all day. Um, oh and, they, and they're not getting out there in the world, you know, let alone to be able to, you know, do theater, which was something that was, and even just go see it and experience it, which when I, I grew up, my father was a theater major, he's in sales, uh, but um, he was a theater major. So he, you know, he, my, he made sure my brother and I could really appreciate the arts and that we'd, we'd go see shows all the time. And, you know, to think that there was now two years of, you know, kids not being able to, to do that and get that experience. That's, you know, that that's super sad. So we're going to have to get people back out there and everyone has to go see twice as many shows, three times as many shows as they they, uh, they saw before, which means more work for the actors and directors, right?
2: Oh, Matthew, I really hope so. Uh, our union, I'm in May governance. Us. <laughs> I, I'm in governance in my union. And and uh, we, we've we been, our president, Kate Schindel, has been saying to us, there's going to be a resurgence, I promise. And it's, we're going to be busier than ever. So I really hope that that is indeed true.
0: Yeah, and, Theater and- will
2: never go away. People need it. People need it. Society needs yeah. it. It's always been around. It will always be here. It doesn't. Netflix is great. Uh, TV, movie and TVs. Uh, it's all great. It does not replace live theater.
0: You know, I saw Hamilton live and I saw it on Disney plus and, and it just doesn't even compare <laughs> the live, the live takes nope. it, takes the cake by wide margin.
1: Not at all. Yeah. It's more uh, dangerous theater.
2: Live theater is more dangerous in a fun way, right? In a thrill seeking way. Because honestly, yes, you rehearse it, but anything can happen. When you're recording it, you can just record over it. And that is not yeah. the case with theater.
0: J- just like this podcast, which for the listeners is definitely uncut and unedited. Well, we'll <laughs> see.
2: <right>. Dangerous. <laughs> what if what if i slip in an adult word you'll have to edit that
0: uh, <laughs> remember we're deerfield family about. theater not theater d the theater d podcast will be a separate podcast maybe we'll we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll see the the adults only uh deerfield theater program so uh uh but you so george you know you teased it and of course you know scott you brought it up too earlier but schoolhouse rock live um you know you, you kind of gave us a taste of of how that came together uh but uh but how i do want to know like how old were you guys at the time when when this was starting to to become a thing
2: yeah um, we were in our early 20s i mean early we had, 20s we had just graduated from school um we each graduated in 90 respectively from two different universities like i mentioned and and
1: 23?
2: um three yeah probably i was probably 23? 22 yeah. and um Oh well, I guess we started talking about it in '90, but we didn't open until '93. So right. I guess we were a little bit older, right? Um, but the the sort of creation of it, I guess, happened in '91, '92, uh, and and to be fair, to go to the um to the to, to go back to the adult comment, we created it simultaneously t- for grown-ups as a late-night show mm-hmm. in a basement theater. And simultaneously, we're doing a cut version that we were taking to schools in the mornings. So we were performing until midnight in a basement theater in Chicago, and then uh, during the week, getting up at six a.m. to run out to Orland Park or wherever to do to do various shows of it. So,
1: but it took you know it started out as an idea, like we had talked about, but then, so I really wanted to do it. And so I started, you you being an attorney, Matthew, you, you understand how this works. At the time in 1990, 91, when I started trying to pursue this, um, the show had been off the air, you know, off to television for, since like 80s, about 86 or 85 or something like that, 84. So it had not been on the air for quite a while, and so I would send letters. You know, this was back before email. There was no email, so I would write a letter to the attorneys at ABC who would say, "We don't know who owns the rights." And then they would then finally I'd send it again, and they send another letter, and they'd say, "Well, try this person." And then I tried that person. They'd say, "I don't know. I, we don't think they own the rights. Try this person." I just kept trying. I, literally for two years. Uh, I was writing and writing letters trying to find out how can we get permission to do this when literally one morning eight o'clock in the morning I got a phone call and I answered and it was George Newell who is the creator of this series the tv series like is this Scott Ferguson I was like yeah he goes this is George Newell I of course knew who he who he was I was like (laughs) well he said so you want to do a live version of the show and I was like yeah and he goes okay I mean, that was I mean, that was literally it. I was like, "Wait, what?" He goes, "That's fine. You can do that if you want. What do you need from me?" I was like, "Um, well, uh, uh, I need a letter that says that we can do it, and I need the music." He's like, "Okay, let me put you in touch with Bob DeRoe who's like, a, you know, God rest his soul, just passed away recently. But Bob was the music director, wrote tons of songs, sang on many of the songs, and was the music director for the entire series. And he, I talked to him, and he said." all right, what songs do you need? And I gave him a list and he FedExed me original copies of the score for, the, for each song. Well, was there wasn't a score,
2: remember? Cool. They were lead sheets, yeah. they were jazz yeah. musicians. Lead sheets. So yeah. uh, jazz folks notate music much differently. They were these lead sheets that were not musical theater scores at all they were basically charts is what they were with chord symbols and some lyrics that were all handwritten Um, so that was its own that was its own journey Um, scott and i were living together at the time when he got that call and it was very um it's so funny to think back to that initial to that initial outreach and how generous they were and then how great they just became like I would say great, I don't want to say great friends, but they became great mentors to us. Um, when Bob great died- friends. They were friends. They were friends I mean, and they would come to Chicago and they would take us out and they came for our reunions. They came for our, um, uh, our um, for all the different openings because we kept moving around and they were so, support- they were just so supportive. George Newell, Tom Yoey, Bob Duro especially, I think.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So fantastic. Wh-
0: where are those original copies now? Do you still have them somewhere?
1: I, I do. I have quite a few of them actually. Yeah. And I have some animation cells too, from the original cartoons, which are pretty cool.
0: That is super cool. We're going to have to yeah. like, I don't know, open a museum <laughs> or something and laminate that stuff and put it somewhere. I hope you've at least scanned it or taken pictures of those. Cause that that's I have incredible. these
1: too. Can you see these back here on zoom?
0: For our these are something.
1: Scott yeah. is showing
2: um, the uh, original cells that have been Ooh. cells from the cartoons
1: that have been framed. Um, so these are all four of the different series, math, science, history, and grammar. That,
0: that is something. Cool. Well, I'll tell you what, we may just have to take that clip and post it somewhere because that's pretty cool. <laughs>
1: yeah. awesome.
0: uh, podcast first, but we we you will know, we'll have some video, I guess, uh, to use okay. maybe just there. That's super interesting. Um uh, if we, if we add this part uh, <laughs> link in the, in the show notes <laughs> to the, to the video clip on social media or something. Um, so. Uh, okay. Um, that, yeah, that, that's really something. Um, what, what, an, what, what incredible kindness, you know, from a stranger. Um, really was. I really want that kind of kind, you, you, you know, you never know. It's, Oh, you always you gotta, the, the moral of the story is, you know, re- reach out to your heroes and see if uh, see if they're nice. Maybe, maybe the yeah. maybe you can meet your heroes, and it's okay.
2: Well, we yeah. we had um, Matthew. I mentioned to you on the phone before we uh, did this podcast. Um, Scott, I cannot remember our lawyer's name lawyer for the creative arts i think it was ed something but he did so much pro bono work for us in the beginning because we were 20 something we were starting a theater company and we had this great we got connected um nina lynn who we have to mention who we are still friends with and still work with was our producer um and uh, of schoolhouse rock live and still is and um she Really did so much work. I want to say his name was Ed. I should have. I should have asked Nina. I actually I sorry re- I the
1: other day. Remember either. Yeah. But
2: talk about graciousness. I mean, man, that guy did so much for us that we would not have been able to afford. And and we were, you know, to you know, uh, Tom and George and and Bob, the creators, were very generous with us. But also remember, you know, they weren't necessarily showbiz people to to speak. You know, Bob or uh, Tom and George were ad execs. Um, and um, uh, Bob obviously was a jazz musician, but jazz is a whole different kind of world. Um, so I think there's, there's something to be said about that too. They were just excited we were doing it. Um, yeah. and, but yet we were up against these big kind of monolith like ABC, you know, we, had, we were up against that when all of a sudden they got wind that they had given us the, the rights, then they got interested. And so thank goodness for lawyers. That's what I want to say.
0: Wow. You, you heard that phrase for the first time here on the DFT podcast. Thank goodness for lawyers.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: So let, let's talk about lawyer ad uh, where, where was it that you came across Ed? How did you get in touch with Ed? Was there some group or something that you went to tell me about that?
2: It's literally called lawyers for the creative arts. Um, and it's a pro bono group. Um, and that, I mean, as that's pretty much it, right? They still exist.
1: They still exist. I get emails from them still to this day. Yeah. It's just a bunch of lawyers who um, do pro bono work for arts organizations that can't afford it. It's great. They're awesome.
0: Well, well, one of the um, attorneys that are that's in the show that I'm a part of, the Chicago Bar Show, um, at least last I checked, which has been some time due to the pandemic, we haven't been able to you know, rehearse and perform together, but he was working as, as an attorney um, there. And, um, it's, it's really something, I mean, but back in the day, like, I don't know, did, uh, what was the search? You couldn't Google it. You, did you Yahoo it? How did you find out about lawyer for the lawyers for the creative arts?
1: I, you know, I think it originally came from, um, a, a recommendation from other people. I think that just had had used them before from other, you know, theater people that we knew or from theater companies. I'm pretty sure that's how it was just a referral. And you would just call them and say, "Hey, we are forming." Because I think we used them the first time around when we formed our company, our theater company, which is Theater Bam Chicago. When we first started Theater Bam Chicago, we used them to do our, you know, nonprofit organization uh, filing, and somebody just recommended them, and that's how we got in, in touch.
0: Uh, and and so I'm I'm curious. Other than um... Schoolhouse Rock Live, which uh, you know seems to be at the genesis of of, uh, Theater Bam Chicago, what what other productions, what other shows came out of Theater Bam Chicago?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'll take that one, George Keating. We did um, Schoolhouse Rock opened in '93, and that was our main focus for a long time. The show ran like George was saying, at the same time as running a late night performance or regular, we actually had performances at like eight o'clock and then at 11 o'clock at night. So there was really like literally a late night production where people would drink beer and watch the show and scream and yell. But we would, in the mornings, we would take the show to schools. So we were doing this um, dual children's theater and late night fun uh, performance that went on for about five years, literally five years of performing. George did the entire run The the original cast did that entire run for about five years. Uh, We took it to New York City. It ran in New York City for a while, for about 11 months uh, off Broadway. But then we created in the meantime, part two, which is called Schoolhouse Rock Live 2, T-O-O, which basically uses the most popular songs and then a bunch of the other ones that we didn't do in the first show. Um, Our theater company was a touring show production company so we would tour to schools and through that we also did an original show called parker in the park which was a which is a show that is a nature musical it's about natural sciences and then we did wrote another show uh with michael Mahler, who is a great writer he wrote the music for an original show called the main street kids club a math start musical and it's a math musical based on the books by Stuart j murphy super fun
2: we did a couple other plays. We did a, some other um, original, we did an original play by a local Chicago playwright called "Set uh, Setup. Um, and that was probably the most recent thing we produced, but I don't, gosh, that's been at least, I mean, has that been a decade or maybe not it's quite? It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, while. Um, But most of it has been, oh, and the first production ever by Theater Bam Chicago, Scott Ferguson, you forgot to mention. I think this is so curious. Kyle Hall, starring Manson.
1: As... Manson, fires in your cities. It was a one-man show about Charles Manson. That was, <laughs> our, first, that was our first and then, endeavor. And then another one of our endeavors after Schoolhouse was uh, a, a musical by Steve wallam and Danny Musha called <sighs> Frozen River, which was about... Uh, uh, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> so we kind of run the gamut in terms of
2: type of shows yeah Setup was a uh kind of a romantic comedy um uh political first date kind of thing so we've run the gamut yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> definitely did not know what to expect with that answer with the, you know with that question really? for those answers but that's really something so 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 schoolhouse rock uh was not the only adaptation that you did then so there was the the math musical uh mm-hmm. what like what did you learn anything from adapting uh you know schoolhouse rock into a musical that you learned you know that you were able to apply those lessons and, and what were the, some of those lessons
1: yeah for sure I mean our love of schoolhouse rock I, I think part of what made schoolhouse rock live such a success and George will attest to this is that we we really tried to instill a sense of honesty to the show and really um, put the focus on the music and the lyrics. So we didn't make fun of schoolhouse rock, which a lot of people thought is what the the show was gonna be. It's like, we're making fun of those silly cartoons. We didn't make fun of it. We really took those lyrics and that music and we threw it up into the air and celebrated it. And we created a show that celebrated um, the beautiful nature of of these songs and how they are so a testament to the fact that they have, they're still popular today. And they, the first, I think the first song aired in, when did it air, George? Do you remember? 19... 73. 73?
2: 70, 73, 73. So, three is the magic been around number. for a
1: long time, right? That's right. So, so um, our love of those songs taught me a lot in terms of creating theater. So when we did the next show, we did the same thing. We didn't make fun of it. You know, we taught, we, we, loved the music and the songs and the lyrics so much that i think that it shows in the in the performances in the performance you know so we learned a lot and that's where the the because they were touring to schools and they were it was so popular schools loved us we did every tuesday and thursday all the, the entire school year, all around the city of Chicago and the suburbs and neighboring states. I, it was a really popular show for a very long time. And so we could keep doing other shows. And so the Math Start Musical, there's books by uh, Stuart Murphy, which are storybooks, short storybooks that teach one mathematical concept. Uh, so we took, I think, six of those books and then wrote original music and made a show that is a math musical <laughs> super cute it's very cute i love it and the music's great mike Mahler, oh my god so talented.
2: yeah mike Mahler, look look him up y'all he's a local chicago talent um
1: and yeah uh, he and he and alan schmuckler actually just wrote about uh i think four of the seven songs from the new my little pony movie that you can watch on netflix so there he's famous real <laughs> famous now because of my little pony
0: well, well, my my nine month old little girl is too young for My Little Pony uh, right now, but I'm sure that's going to be in the repertoire in the future of you know, Daddy. Can we watch this? <laughs> can we watch No
1: that? doubt, no doubt.
0: Uh, that well, that's something. Um, uh, you, you know, it's it's interesting to hear that because um, you know I feel like like nowadays, uh, before Weird Al made it cool, like parody is all over the place, mm-hmm. right? Like you go go on YouTube, you go on. You know uh i mean tiktok is basically a parody of whatever is trending everyone's doing right so yeah. um you know to to have an adaptation that's um that's shows real earnestness i is is something that I, I you know i'm sure back then uh stood out as unique but especially now uh when we're surrounded by parody um that's really something they, you're making me look look forward to this show so much more uh this coming this november uh, at the caruso middle school <laughs> uh links links Yay. in the show notes about how where to buy tickets um so Great. um yeah so when when's the last time that uh that you both were involved like in in a production with schoolhouse rock live
2: well i mean we did We've, you know, uh, there have been a bunch of local professional productions as well since all of that. So we did it. I mean, we've done it at Drury Lane Oakbrook. We did it at Marriott, uh, the Marriott Theater in Lincolnshire. We did it um, downtown at the, uh, I forget that, Oakbrook's, that, that Drury Lane space downtown. Um, it's now a roadhouse. I don't think they produce there anymore. What's it called? Oh, the Broadway Playhouse. Broadway Playhouse. We there. Um, so we've done it all over, and Scott and I kind of trade off directing it now, or we'll direct it together. Um, but it seems like it's always part of my, I mean, it just seems like it's always there and part of my life. So I can't even remember when you asked that direct question. I mean, I haven't been in it in quite a long time, but I have certainly directed it recently and certainly had conversations about it and just brought it up yesterday to a group of teenagers. I said something about function, like know what your function is in the play and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, conjunction, junction, what's your, does, do they, I'm not expecting them to know it. They all immediately started singing the song and knew exactly, you know, this is 16 year olds um, and knew exactly what I was talking about. Um, I love that. I love that. Right. And it's just such a part of, it's just been such a part of, we have a real family. We did a reunion not too long ago and flew in the original cast from all over and um, got everybody together from the tours. Cause we also did a number of, of, of national tours with it. And we, I'm always meeting people who, who say, oh my gosh, we, you know, they're married now, and we met doing this production. We met doing this production in, you know, Kentucky or wherever the heck, and and um, so it's just this really. I think the earnestness that you were talking about, Matthew and Scott, really kind of leads to this kind of um, genuine bonding and family. You know, I was always very proud of. Of the earnestness that we weren't being snarky, there was actually yeah. a production at the time um, in Chicago that didn't get the rights. That were doing a couple of Schoolhouse Rock live songs or a couple of Schoolhouse Rock songs um, at the time that we were running in the early '90s, and they um, they See, didn't assist. get the rights. And they right and they were they were very snarky. They were making fun of it, and they got shut down.
1: We were also running, when it was originally running in Chicago when it first opened, we were running alongside, not alongside, but at the same time as a very popular production of the Brady Bunch, which was a parody of the Brady Bunch. So I think a lot of people were expecting that our show was gonna be a parody, and it wasn't, and that's what people loved about it. I think that's what made it funny. When you're singing all wholeheartedly about nouns, and you're not making fun of it, it's funny. Like that is funny. So it, it wasn't a parody, but it was hilarious. The show was just so much a joy to watch. One of my favorite reviews of all time that we got of the show when it was running, um, I, I don't remember who the reviewer was, but they said, you know, the great thing about Schoolhouse Rock Live is you can bring your granddaughter and your grandmother and the three of you will be arguing about who liked it most. I was like, "That's exactly right." Everybody loved it.
2: Yeah, everybody loved it. We literally were doing it in the mornings, like Scott said, and then to these audiences that would come and bring six packs and get drunk at eleven o'clock at night while they were watching our show. And it was like, the it was a giants. different experience. But we didn't change. We didn't change the show. We did it. We did the show, and it just it was played the same um, show
1: for both children and for adults and everyone. And,
0: and I feel like, like nowadays, if you could make like a TV show that the adults and the the kids could, could enjoy. That's like, you know, that's the perfect Goldilocks zone. Yeah. And so you guys did it, you know, schoolhouse rock live for, for, you know, theater uh, a long time ago, which is, which is incredible. And and just that there are people who met while performing in the show and got married. If they have kids, right. Like what you guys did is responsible for human beings <laughs> being alive right now. That wouldn't be alive right now. So, so in a true. way you kind of are responsible for them being alive, which is really something. I love it. <laughs>
1: that's a good. I like that perspective. It brings a whole new meaning to my life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: what that's we do awesome. here on the on the DFT podcast. Um, we find the, the the deep meaning. Uh, but yeah, it's it is though. I'm, you know, and and I, I'm not really joking, right? Like earnestly, like that's that that's the truth. Right. And it's funny.
2: (laughs) It's true. We have, uh, there's a couple, I mean, there are, there are many couples that we can point to that weren't directly related um, to our production. So productions that were done like yours at at DFT that aren't, that we aren't creative involved with, but, but we've got um, the, the Meads, um, Tim and Tim and Amber Gainey Mead. They, they were on one of our tours. They met on one of our tours and they are married to this day. Um, They came in for our reunion. I mean, that's just, it always just warms my heart, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, gosh. Um, Oh oh, yeah. There was, there is a story somewhere in here about how uh, the the rights owners changed hands at some point, like from ABC to Disney when Disney was coming in. So what was that experience like?
2: I, Scott, I told Matthew a little bit on the phone about when, um, we, as this, you know, startup company who started performing literally in a basement theater, where we literally got dressed in the cooler next to the lettuce. I'm not kidding you. Um, and then we would we we grew and became really popular. We had uh, we had return audience members. We actually had for a while a thing called a groupie card. Groupie where, cards, cause, right? Because people kept coming back. They would come back over and over and bring their friends, and they would bring people from out of town. And so we moved into a bigger theater, a nicer theater, and we kept moving and making we made two two moves. Um, and when that started happening, not our um, not Bob and uh, uh, George and Tom, but the the owners um, started seeing that it would be profitable. And we started getting, um, they, they started getting very interested in our little project. And there was a moment there where they were trying to wrest the show away from us, if I remember rightly, cause we did a whole study. Um, I did a, I said, let's pull our audience. Cause we were getting nervous. I said, let's pull our audience and, find out where they live, right? Because it's not just Chicago that's coming to see this. And we found out that at one point, as much as 50% of our audience was people visiting in from out of town. And so they were going back to their hometowns, Cleveland or whatever, and talking about this show they saw in Chicago. And it was creating this interest during the run of our show, Schoolhouse Rock cartoons actually started airing again. I mean, I don't think, I'm not making that up, am I?
1: No, no, it was not on the air until three, three years or two years after we run. And and same thing, one of my favorite stories is there's a, you can get a Schoolhouse Rock t-shirt, like at Target and stuff. That's like a logo that has the Schoolhouse Rock logo and all the characters on it. That design was designed basically by my friend Jay Rapp for our show. (laughs) And then ABC, Disney, stole that design because they can because they own the characters and put it on a t-shirt.
2: Right. So we don't own the characters, we don't own the yeah. music. We own our arrangements of the music, we and and the show, right? So Script. it's all, We're still the little guy. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But they still so make we, a lot of money from us, I'll tell they you. They make a much.
2: lot of money from us and it's because you know, I think that it did create we were able to prove to them that we had created this, or were part of the energy that created this resurgence and reinterest. Because people remember we were 25 and and 30 throughout this, and so our people, our from our generation, were starting to have children, and they wanted their children to have access to Schoolhouse Rock cartoons, just like they had, we had growing up, and so it did create this. And then they did a, they released the box set and they started, there's a whole resurgence of, of uh, merchandise for them that we do not benefit from.
1: (laughs) Well, uh... I mean, I
0: don't, don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I I love Disney. And if, because I have a kid, if I had to pick any one subscription platform, it'd probably be Disney plus, (laughs) but uh, at the same time. Uh, yeah. Big business. Right. They own so much more now than they did even back then. Right. So that's
2: right. And it wasn't it wasn't it was intimidating. I do remember us sweating. I remember Nina, sweat, our producer, sweating a bit, thinking that we could we could lose we could lose this property. They were going to snag it from us. But but I, our friends, George and Tom and Bob came around and 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 defended
1: us, I think. All is good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So um, so with that, I was thinking maybe you could sing us off uh, the podcast with, with your favorite song. <laughs>
2: oh, mine's always been three is a magic number. It's always that and my hero zero.
1: Those are, I would those- say, zero, my hero is one of my favorites. I love that song. All
0: right. So, so we'll do about thir- uh, uh, 20 to 30 seconds from George. And then Scott uh, will take us out with
1: zero. <laughs> Don't ask me to sing. I'm not the singer. George is the singer.
0: Go, George. <laughs> Three
2: is a magic number,
1: yes it
2: is, it's a magic number, somewhere in the ancient mystic trinity, you get three as a magic number and then the drums come
1: in Hot, the, the past and the present and the future faith and hope and charity right the heart and the brain and the body give you free as a magic number i love that song
2: it's the best it's the first one they wrote and it's the best as far as i'm concerned
0: that's great that was great well you we definitely can't top that i don't think so uh uh, George Scott. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was great to have you. Uh, gosh, um, you know, I, I hope to see you at the, at the theater and, um, and, and for this show and for future shows, uh, for, for everyone to come back to the theater and, uh, and have a great time. Um, so, uh, with that, just, um, tell if, uh, if listeners want to reach out to you, follow up with you, uh, you know, what's the best way that they could get in touch with you?
2: I've got um, bios and contact information at Northwestern University and at DePaul, the feeder school at DePaul university. So you can find me there or just my name, George P Keating at gmail.com.
1: And I can be reached at Scott <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
0: so much.
1: So much fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Matthew. Thanks Matthew. It.
0: And that's our show. Visit DeerfieldFamilyTheater.com for more details and to purchase tickets. Links to both are in the show notes where you can also find George and Scott's contact information along with a link to Lawyers for the Creative Arts. Please share this podcast to help support the work of Deerfield Family Theater. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us the highest rating you can and leave us a review, both of which really help others discover this show. If you'd like to get in touch, send us a voice message at anchor.fm DFT. We might even add your voice message to a future show. Until next time, thanks to everyone who continues to support the arts. We'll see you at the theater.